0: This evening, with the Lord's help, I wish to continue our series on Questions Asked in Scripture. And for our text this evening, Psalm 77, and reading verses 7, 8, and 9. From verse 7, Will the Lord cast off forever And will he be favourable no more? Is his mercy clean gone for ever? Doth his promise fail for evermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. Psalm 77 and verses 7, 8 and 9. Six questions. A troubled soul's many questions. It will be of comfort to us when we come into troubles and sorrows of soul. And we have many questions. Questions relating to whether God is still with us and whether we know his mercies and all that he has been to us before, that he will still be that for us. We may have these questions like asked in this psalm and indeed in Psalm 42 that we read another four, and to read in Scripture the inspired word of God that the Lord's dear people who have gone before us They also had questions, and it may be the questions that they ask are the very same ones that we also are asking. The Word tells us that as in water, face answereth the face, so the heart of man to man. And we know that by nature we are fallen alike, and even under grace there will be many, many things that we pass through that are the same as others of the Lord's dear people. But very often we feel isolated, we feel like we're the only ones that feel as we do, and only ones that are walking in the path that we are. So when we come to the Word and we find one that we can walk with, it's very precious, It's a blessed thing when we can walk with those of our contemporaries, those of our church members or family members who fear the Lord. Then they that fear the Lord spake often one to another. and We discuss and go over those things that trouble us and that we question. But when we come to the Word of God, we come to that which God has put there, the inspired Word of God. It is the experience of his dear people and the Lord has seen fit to have it recorded for the help of those that should follow after even to the end of the world. And so it is that the questions this evening are those questions a troubled soul will be asking. And may the Lord make it of use and of help to the living family of God. I want with the Lord's help to look first at the circumstances that were surrounding the psalmist that brought him to ask these questions. And then secondly, the questions that were asked but then lastly, the answer to these questions that are found in this psalm as well. So what are the circumstances? We know, of course, that all of the Lord's dear people walk an individual path. But there will be those things that under more general headings, they will be the same. For each of the people of God. And so we find in this psalm that the first circumstance is that it is a day of trouble. In verse 2, we read, In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. Man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward, and it is when we come into those troubles. But then we start to search, and it is then we start to question. So dear soul, if you have troubles, if I have troubles, then don't be surprised if in those troubles there arises questions, questions that we ask like these in this psalm. Also it is a Trouble that is not just an outward trouble, but it troubles us. In verse 4, I am so troubled that I cannot speak. And they're two different things, really. We can have troubles outwardly, and it not trouble us inwardly. But very often we have troubles outwardly. And it troubles us inwardly. And it affects us. And he did the psalmist here. He says that he is so troubled that he cannot speak. As our troubles affected us like that, so profoundly it is a place of the stopping of mouths. A place when we cannot speak cannot speak to others, cannot have fellowship with others. The psalmist in Psalm 73, when he is so stumbling over the prosperity of the wicked and the trials of God's people, and he says, if I should speak thus, I should offend against the generation of my children. Many of the Lord's dear people, they think, if I was to speak my mind, if I was to unburden what is going on inside, the people of God would say, well, you're not a child of God. We're not having anything to do with you. How can you be right when you think those things? And so they keep silent and go over it in themselves. And yet if they would but know, they'd find that the Lord's dear people had an echo too, and that they knew exactly what was going on, because they experience the same things. Here's outward trouble that is then inward trouble as well. And then we have a sore, a sore that runs in the night. Many of us would know if we have troubles and they take sleep from us and we lay awake at night, and we start to go over things in the dead of night, then they get worse and worse. They seem so much more in the dark and in the night than they do in the day. And the psalmist here mentions this several times, that it is in the night. He says in verse 6, I call to remembrance my song in the night. It is my sore ran In the night, and cease not, my soul refused to be comforted. And so it is the night watchers that magnify the troubles and give rise to these questions. Have you found that so? Is that the path that which is common to you as well as the psalmist here? Then there is a remembering of God. He says in verse 3, I remembered God and was troubled. What was he remembering? He's remembering God in his greatness, his majesty, he that fills heaven and earth, the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. God that appeared at Mount Sinai the mountain quaked, the thunders were felt. That great God, that when he shall come at the last day and all the nations of the earth shall mourn before him, they shall call upon the rocks and the hills to hide them from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne. The almighty God, the great God, the God against whom we have sinned, the God before whom we must stand at the last day. When we consider God, and we would say here, God outside of Christ and outside of the provision for sinners. When we think of God, we think of the situation that Adam was in before The promised seed was made known before a covering was made by God for him. Before God's mercy was shown him, he hid when he heard the word and heard the voice of the Lord, the word of the Lord in the garden. He hid from his presence. He couldn't stand before his presence. He was troubled. And so the psalmist here, and you and I, when we remember God, when we remember how great God is, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. This was a circumstance whereby the questions arose in the psalmist's heart. But then there was a considering of the days of old. In verse 5, I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. Whether or not with the psalmist going right back to the Lord's dealings with Israel. But for the people of God, we think of that which is past. We're warned in the scripture, say not why were the uh, former days better than these days that us not inquire wisely concerning this thing but we often do We we look back and we look back upon the good things the pleasant things the blessings and we say that it is not now what it once was and we think of former times and former blessings and those things that we've handled and tasted and felt and enjoyed. There is a remembering of those former blessings that we have had and that we don't have now. And then there is a searching, a searching of our own hearts and going over our own hearts. All what is pictured here is all centering, as it were, inward. What has happened to us before, our troubles, and at night, and in our own heart, and former blessings, and and former days, and God in His greatness and His Majesty and His might. This is the. Situations, circumstances that bring forth these questions. Is it so with you? Is it so with me? That we look at what is it that has caused us to question in this way. What are the questions then that are asked? in the second place, in our text. These are the questions of the text. Three verses, each one, with two questions in them. Verse 7. Will the Lord cast off forever? The experience of the soul, obviously, is feeling cast off from the Lord and the question is will this go on forever is this eternal and will he be favourable no more the soul does not feel the favour of the Lord and wonders whether that is going to continue and never again Will they know the favour of the Lord to be upon them? Always against them. You know, in the days of Sail and the Apostle knew this, where they had to watch for a favourable wind. When I was young, I used to do sailing in small boats. And if the wind was against us and we had to tack to go somewhere, it was very hard work. That wind was against us and it was a labour. If the wind then turned around and was right behind us, then we had no hard work, we were just blown along to where we were going. A very big difference. And it can be like that in our lives where sometimes everything is favourable, the wind behind us, and the Lord makes all things so smooth and go so smoothly. And other times everything seems to be wrong and nothing fits and nothing goes right. No help from the Lord appears. The Lord told Israel of old that it was just as easy for him to fight against them as for them. And when they sinned and did wickedness, that's what he did. But even in the history of Israel, there were those times that he was favourable to them again. But here the psalmist is really questioning, will will he be favourable no more? Never ever know those times being favourable again. Then in verse eight, regarding his mercy, is his mercy clean gone forever? No mercy can never be earned. Mercy is free. It is in spite of our works, and yet the psalmist here cannot see mercy. So dark is his path, he cannot see mercies in the way. Is his mercy clean gone forever? And then doth his promise fail forevermore? The psalmist, of course, with Israel had the promises of the coming Messiah, They had promises of good. maybe you and I have those promises as well. Some that we lay up like dear Jacob no doubt did. How the Lord would appear in providence. Promises concerning ourselves or our loved ones. Or the house of God. And it seems that that promise will fail. It won't be brought to pass. It won't be fulfilled. doth his promise fail forevermore? And each time these questions, they're not just, doth his promise fail, or will the Lord cast off, or is his mercy clean gone? All the time it is forever, forever, forevermore. And it's looking at the future, eternity, never ever to be known again. The questions are showing great trial and great darkness of soul and great or questioning of any favour or blessing from God again. Verse 9, hath God forgotten to be gracious? Can God forget? Can he forget to be gracious, kind to those that are unthankful to him, rendering good to those that do evil? By grace you are saved. But can God forget to be gracious? And hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Is it our path? Is it what we've done? Is it what we've said? Is it how we've acted? That God is so angry with us that he's shut up his tender mercies and we won't know them ever again. These are the questions that have been asked by the psalmist He really feels that. And if we would go back to Psalm 42, then we have other questions. He's asking in verse 5 of Psalm 42, His own soul, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? We might ask those questions as well. And then in verse 9, what he says that he will say unto God, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? A lot of whys. Why this? Why that? A lot of questions. Many questions. And they're being asked by a troubled soul. dear friend, if the word comes into your path this evening, into mine, we want to know the answers. We want to know what is the way out. How can this be resolved? How can the Lord show us what the true situation is? And remember what we said at the beginning. This is the inspired word of God. Where God shows the malady, then he will show the remedy. And it is so in this psalm. And so I want to look in the third place at the answer to these questions. The first is in the last Word of our text, Sila, or pause, a silence. How often it can be that we have so many things arising within, so many questions like this, one after another, and it's like someone says, if we're speaking all these to them, now wait a minute, just stop. Just be quiet and wait and listen. And I will tell you my advice. And that's what's needed here. Often we are so full of churnings and trouble. We're like Martha, cumbered about with much serving. So much full of troubles that we cannot sit at the feet of the Lord. We cannot hear his word. The children of Israel were like this when Moses had been sent to them and the signs were being wrought in Egypt, but Pharaoh was reacting by making their toil and their burdens even harder. And so when Moses was trying to tell the children of Israel, those things that would encourage them and help them, yet their heart, they were so burdened with hard labour that they could not, they would not listen to him. No, it didn't make a difference. The Lord still appeared for them and still helped them. They were, Though they were so troubled that they wouldn't listen to Moses. So that is the first thing. May you and I be helped to be still and to listen and to pause the second thing is to realize that this is our infirmity in verse 10 and i said this is my infirmity is my infirmity And we to remember that we are sinners, we are of the dust. God is in heaven, God knows all things. God is perfect and pure and unchanging. But we change and we are sinners and we are impure and we are those for whom the gospel is prepared for sinners and for those that cannot help themselves. And so we are to remember that as sinners and as creatures of a day, that this is our infirmity. The way that we are looking at things You know, there are some with various afflictions of body or of mind, that, as it were, it is an infirmity that they have. Some that may have an autism. Things are black or white. They're either this or that, but they cannot be a grey in between. And it's an infirmity that affects everything in their life, all the decisions and all the things that they do. And all of us, to some extent, some, if we were to have a glass of water, they would say, well, it's half empty. And others would say, no, it's half full. One would look upon it as a discouraging thing. It's heading towards the empty. But the other one would look upon the encouraging thing. No, it's half full. And you view the same thing, but view it in a different way. Now may we think upon our own infirmities, because I think if we go back into our lives, you'll find some of us are much more prone to... Be asking these questions or to be very low and so cast down. Elijah was like that, greatly used of the Lord, <clears throat> fearless before Ahab. But then when Jezebel says that she is going to kill him like he has killed her prophets, then he, he runs away He says to the Lord that he'd rather die than live. And he is so dejected, so low. But The Lord strengthens him, brings him to Mount Horeb. And there gives him a fresh charge. And then he gives him Elisha, who's got a very different temperament to go with him, to be with him right till his journey's end, to see him taken up into heaven. The Lord knew how to deal with Elijah. And he knows how to deal with us as well. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are but dust. He knows our infirmities. And it's good when we can come like with the psalmist here and even asking all these questions. Say, this, this is my infirmity. I recognise it. This is me. Getting so low. Getting so bowed down. But then the remedy is remembering. You say, but... But wasn't that part of the trouble? Hadn't he remembered God? Hadn't he remembered former blessings? How can remembering be part of the remedy when it is part of the malady? It is because it's what we remember. We said at the beginning, the circumstances... It was all surrounding remembering really everything outside of Christ. Is remembering our experience, our blessings, our feelings, what things we had had but don't have now, and remembering God out of Christ. But here it is remembering the right things. Remembering those things that centre not in self, but in Christ. There's one of our hymns, 515. It is a, a prayer to the Holy Ghost. And we have in verse uh, verse, uh, 6, Out of self, to Jesus lead, for and in us intercede. Guide us down to death, and there banish all our guilt and fear. And really that's the key. Leading us out of self, the Holy Spirit's work, the work of the Spirit to take of Jesus and reveal it unto us, to be the remembrancer. he shall bring to you all things to your remembrance. What things? Things that will cast you down? No, all things whatsoever I have said unto you. The word of the Lord is what is to be the strength of the people of God. So what does he say here? What will he remember? I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. What does he mean about the right hand of the Most High? If we were to go to Psalm 80, we get a verse, I think it's the first verse I ever preached from, Psalm 80 and verse 17. Let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the Son of Man, whom thou madest strong for thyself. That is the secret. The man at thy right hand is our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And he's been made strong so that God will lay on him the iniquity of us all. That it should be through him that the people of God triumph and are strengthened. It is by the Lord Jesus Christ that the children of Israel went out of Egypt by a strong hand, not a weak hand, but a mighty hand. And what brought them out of Egypt? The Passover. The bloodshed, the lamb shed, the sheltering beneath that blood. <clears throat> they were brought out of Egypt. And so it is remembering what God has done through his beloved son. These Old Testament saints, they saw Christ's day, Abraham did. Moses spoke of him. A prophet shall the Lord thy God raise up unto thee like unto me, him shall you hear. Moses saw the Lord's goodness pass before him in the way on the mount. He was put in the cleft of the rock. Beautiful times of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is remembered here is our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. It is God's way of saving sinners. Out of Christ, God is a consuming fire. And as soon as we lose sight of him, then come all of these questions. God's people are chosen in Christ. All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Not outside of him. It is because he has shed his precious blood, because the debt is paid, because peace is made on our behalf before God. The writing that is against us has been put away at Calvary. The empty tomb proves it so. And so he goes on. In verse 11, I will remember The works of the Lord, or works of Jehovah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father, thine they were, the people of God, and thou gavest them me. My Father gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should do. I have power to lay down my life, I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. I have power to lay it down, power to take it again. This is remembering the Lord's work. You say of old, yes, you go right back to Abel who offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain because it was a blood sacrifice, because the lamb was slain. He being dead, yet speaketh, bearing witness, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so it's remembering the works of God. And in the New Testament, in these gospel days, we have not just the types and the shadows, but we have the work of our Lord at Calvary. We have the ordinances of the house of God. We have those witnesses that are spoken of in 1 John 5, the witnesses on the earth, the spirit, that is, the spirit ministry, the gospel of power, that the Thessalonians received the word of God, not just in word only, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And then the ordinances, the water and the blood, water baptism, buried with him by baptism into death, Risen again in newness of life, the Lord's Supper, this do ye in remembrance of me. As oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's death till he come. The church of God is not to forget this. The Lord says, as it were, to his church, You will get very low, you will have all of these questions. But these ordinances are given you because I have died and risen again and you that have been quickened, you've died to self and risen again in hope. I shed my precious blood, my body was broken and you ought to remember that and do this in remembrance of me. You see how important it's not just remembrance, it's what we remember. Who we remember, whose works we remember. What shall avail at that last day? The last chapter in the book of Ruth. We don't read of Ruth doing anything. No, it is the end of chapter three, after she's presented her case to Boaz. Naomi says, sit still, my daughter. The man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. And he deals with the matter on her behalf. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He appears in the presence of God for us. He makes that intercession for us. He is our advocate with the Father. We have to remember that. It is remembering the gospel of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. We have also uh, in verse 12 a meditation of all I work. Instead, now in the night season just going over all the troubles and all the sorrows and all the things that seem so against us that we begin now to meditate upon the work of the Lord. All of it. And as the Spirit begins to lift us out of self and point us to Him, they looked unto Him, their faces were lightened, Look unto me, all ye that, or come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. It's to look unto the Lord, even from the ends of the earth. Tim Midas says, I see from far thy beauteous light and in thee sigh for thy repose. My heart is pained or can it be at rest? till I find rest in thee. And he's all the time looking for that help outside of self, in Christ, in his finished work, because of what he has done. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. He does not change. The amount of fear nots, the amount of assurances for a people, even a people like in Malachi that had gone away from the Lord it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed his mercies they fail not I am the Lord I change not wherefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed it is that unchanging, immutability of the Lord, his oath, his promise, that shall never fail. When the went further than just meditating, he also spoke of his doings and talked of thy doings. They're not speaking of himself, of his doings, the Lord's doings and specifically that which the Lord has done at Calvary but we could also bring those things that the Lord has done in our own lives he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ he will have respect to the work of his own hands and all the time it is centering on Christ. As soon as we deviate, as soon as we go away and we start looking at ourselves and then how low we get. If Hezekiah was here, he'd say, he said, look, you remember what the Lord did to the Assyrians. You remember what the Lord did in raising me up from a sickbed even unto death and adding 15 years to my life. But don't remember how I did not render according to the benefit and raise up in pride and show the messengers of Babylon all my riches. I'm ashamed of that. But you remember what the Lord did for me and what the Lord blessed me with. There's many things that we will be ashamed. The Lord uses that to humble us and lay us low. The Lord says of his people, this people have I formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise. Yet sometimes as if we'll say, Lord, I won't show forth thy praise unless you do this and this and this. Unless you do things different. But the Lord's work is the same. And what he has done, he has done forever. Nothing can be put to it or taken from it. And the Lord doeth it that men might fear before him. We have also in verse 13, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. One said once, There's nothing like church trouble." Often in our troubles, we come to the house of God to find relief and find help. But when the trouble is in the house of God and is sadly amongst the people of God, then it's a double trial, a double difficulty. But then when we remember that the church is God's church, none can care for it more than him, and he knows how to manage it. And God is... Greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. To be had in reverence of all them about him. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Blessed soul that can come like dear Hannah, you know. She had her troubles. She couldn't have children. And she had the adversary so against her. And she regularly went up to the house of God, but what a kind of a house of God that was. The sons of Eli, they lay with the women at the door of the tabernacle. They abused the sacrifices of the Lord so that people abhorred the sacrifices. We can't go there. You can't have a blessing there. You can't have help there. When all of these kinds of things are being done there. But she goes and she prays and she even promises if the Lord should give her a man-child, she'd loan him to the Lord. What? Loan him to go into that company? With Eli, who can't even manage his own children, let alone little Samuel? No, she lent him to the Lord, not to man. And you know the Lord answered her prayer. And gave her Samuel, and the Lord blessed Samuel, and the Lord made Samuel a blessing and appeared to him. There are a lot of lessons there, you know. There'd never be a perfect church upon earth. no, they won't. but the Lord is in the midst of his church. When you read the letters to the churches in the revelation, seven of them, and only two that there was nothing said against them. All of them had things that the Lord had to say against them. And we are to remember that. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God. And this is what we are to do to look at the great God, but not outside of Christ. To look at him in the sanctuary, Look at that God who, in verse 14, doeth wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. When we look to the dear Redeemer, to the Lord Jesus Christ, we see him. They looked unto him, and their faces were lightened. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Again, one way is the psalmist David's experience, another it points the experience of our Lord Jesus Christ, man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Do you know, in this psalm, after the psalmist meditates and speaks in this way, then at the end of verse 15 we have the sealer again to pause, to think, to meditate. This is the remedy for you and I. It's not found pouring over our troubles, going over things as if well, it all depended upon us, really. If we couldn't have kept our own soul, if we'd done this right or this wrong, and if these things had been managed better, I'm not saying that there is not a time that we shouldn't search our heart, that we shouldn't bow before the Lord's rod, come to repentance, put right what is wrong. There is. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But in all these things, may we never lose sight of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. This is the gospel that is for sinners. It is a gospel of which no case is too hard or too difficult. And the Lord doesn't begin and then say, I didn't realise what a terrible sin of this one was. This case is too difficult for me. I'm now going to withhold my mercies and my graciousness. I'm going to be so angry with this person, I'm going to give up on him. The Lord doesn't. No case is too hard for the Lord. And where he begins, he will surely carry on. Because each soul is a blood-bought soul. And each blood-bought soul was one that the Father gave to the Son to redeem. And each one that the Lord redeemed on Calvary, he's begun a good work in them. He's bid them live. He's given them a hearing ear. He's drawn them after him. No man can come unto me except the Father which sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up when? At the last day. bound up ever and ever in the calling of God's dear people. And so, dear soul, if you, like me, have so many questions, and questions that bring us lower and lower, and darker and darker. The Lord give us to read all of this psalm, to go through it all, and to see the remedy that is in God and the provision in our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the man at God's right hand. There would be no gospel, no salvation without God's provision of his only begotten Son and all that he has done through him. Yet sometimes we start to walk in the path of which we leave the Lord Jesus Christ out and it's as if we just have our soul and God and we wonder why we are so low. Salvation says Jonah in the whale's belly, In all the darkness and the tossings and the impossible case we see he was in, salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto the dry land. And then Jonah obeyed, and he went and he preached as the Lord had bade him. And... May we be helped to go in that path of which the Lord is able to deliver us from ourselves and to save unto the uttermost all that come unto God by him. Through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, the crown of salvation is to be on his head and on his alone. None other, no other place. To Christ alone be the glory. May the Lord then bless this word to a troubled soul who has many questions. May it be blessed in giving the answer from the same word that had the same questions that you had and has the answers from God himself. Amen.